Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Sheila Anderson is on a mission to make people visible and memorable by raising their personal image to meet the value of their brand. She is the founder of Image Powerplay, an impression management and personal brand company dedicated to bringing forth intentional, consistent, and authentic interactions with others. As the image designer, her exceptional talent benefits executives and notables at any level in polishing the visual aspects of their brand. Personally drawn to the influence of impression management, Sheila has successfully cultivated her unique style as a business owner, personal brand strategist, image consultant, sought-after speaker, and best-selling author. She's the author of the book, I See You, Breathing Life Back into Your Personal Brand. She's currently writing her second book called Return on Image. Sheila is also a professional model and first runner-up in the 2012 Mrs. South Dakota America pageant. Community is meaningful to Sheila. She's a longtime member of Cosmopolitan International, a service club that raises money for diabetes education and research. She also sits on the adult advisory board of Simon Says Give, South Dakota. Sheila, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. Thank you, Sheila, so much for being uh, with us today, spending your time, energy, and giving us some insight onto this really interesting and important thing I don't think we think of a lot. When we're thinking of growing our businesses, how do we be our best entrepreneur self, CEOs, leaders? And uh, sometimes um, it gets down to more than what we're actually doing within our businesses. It's it's something about how we look, how we, you know, the, the presence we give off, the energy we give off. And I want to dive into that a little bit. So tell us about your background on how you got into the business of quote unquote image. Well, first of all, Allison, it is an absolute pleasure and honor to be with you and to be on your podcast and share with you. So I was very creative growing up. And well, so, I was curious. I was growing up in Mobridge, South Dakota. Yeah. Right? So you graduated through high school in Mobridge. I did. And for those people who may not know, Mobridge is in the very north central part of South Dakota, almost to North Dakota. Um, on the river. So it's not a big place. So if you've seen Sheila or know about her, she's like this dynamic lady. And I'm like, how did 
Tell me how that came out of Mobridge. Like, well, that's, that's, that's how do you say that? Because very often when I travel, people say, where are you from? I'm from South Dakota. And they go, you don't look like you're from South Dakota. Hey, what are people from South Dakota? We supposed to look like. So we all have those preconceived notions of what we think people should look like from different places or different industries. Um, different parts of the country. It was a lot of a bias in an industry, like of yes. what somebody's supposed to look like from even that industry. Banking, what does a banker look like? Right? We all we all kind of think we know what that should look like because it's just, you know, some biases that we've had. Um, but yeah, so, so I grew up in South Dakota, very creative. Um, it always mattered to me how things looked and appeared. Um, and so I took that artistic... Uh, side of me, I really, I really wanted to be an interior designer. Okay. And so, um, did you grow up in a creative family? My grandma was an artist. She was an, um, she worked with the South Dakota Arts Council. She was a resident artist in residence, I think it was called. Um, she wrote a book on her art. She had did Polish art, but you know, my my immediate family, there's not a lot of artistic talent there, so. But I didn't know what to do with it, and I wanted to be an interior designer. My mom was my mom wasn't very excited about that, um, and so I, you know, I graduated from high school, didn't know what I wanted to do, knew I wanted to do some type of art. I wasn't sure what it was. I dabbled a little bit in graphic design. I still do a lot of that that okay. work now, um, but I, I got to a place in the early '90s where I was. Um, I always struggled with my weight. And so for me, there was a self, uh, self-image, self-confidence, self-esteem. Was that prior to graduating or excuse me, after graduating from high school or was that? There was a little bit of that in high school. Okay. There was a little bit of that in high school. I remember being a cheerleader and getting my cheerleading uniform and, you know, this was the biggest size they had and I had to like squeeze into it. Okay. Um, so a little bit of humiliating, you know, for that. Okay. Um, and I always struggled with it. Okay. It was, it's always been um, something I've dealt with, right? And I dealt with it really well at times and then sometimes very poorly. So okay. that plays into who I am and, and why I do image and why I do style and what possessed me just to like, I have to overcome this, right? It's an inside job. You have to get that figured out internally first no matter what you show on the outside we can't get it mirrors what's going on I know. inside of and me. it's true because when i work with clients um especially women you know they're we could all i'll ask them what do you you know what are some challenges with your body right and they and they come up with they can list those just right off the top of their head and then i ask them what are some things you really love about your body and they pause and that pause to me is really telling right there's some self-image stuff there's some self-esteem so you have to work on that inside first and so i i became a plus size in the early 90s and um at that time clothing wasn't as readily fashionable and as readily available for the Mm -hmm. plus size woman it's gotten much better uh, than it was in the past but it was frustrating and i honestly i remember standing in tears in our local mall in a plus size clothing store just absolutely defeated and just devastated by you know i was just mad i was mad i was i was seen i was kind of mad at the fashion industry it was just you know i was done and so i thought well i can i'm creative i can 
figure out how to dress my body at the size it is now, you know, and that's what I help women with is like, whatever size you are right now, let's work with that. Let's address that. Another thing that kind of led me to maybe help myself with that self-image was I'm a Christian. And so I came to the realization that God thought, you know what? The world needs one of you. And this is the body I'm going to make you have. Yes. And who was I to say, I don't like this about my body. I don't like that about yes. my body. And How I didn't you... think about that Yeah. when he thought that was perfect, that the world needed yeah. that. Now, I'm not saying you, you mean, you have to be healthy, right? You have to stand yeah. yourself. But well, I was, I was just going to say that too. There's, there's what, you know, you can either succumb, but it's like you, you also have to try to be healthy. And if you are your healthy self, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, that then exudes on the outside That's- again. Who you are, no matter no matter what. Yeah. So you know, every it's just an inside job. It's an inside job with figuring out who you are. You have to figure that out first before you really can bring yourself, your values, your strength to your business that you want to. You know, if you aspire to be an entrepreneur, or you know, whatever it is, you have to get that all done inside first yeah. before you can really bring that value to other people. What was something that you did maybe back then that made you realize that, um, like, I, I, I want to do this for others. I did this for myself. I want to move that forward to help people. And what was the feeling that, I mean, you talked about being overweight, but what did it do to your image and your self-confidence when you were in that state? So, you know, it was really... Um, it, it was really tough. It was really hard when I would have those feelings of defeat and that low self-esteem. But as I started to, I basically became my own art project, I tell people. And so I just figured out how to learn to dress my body, broke every style in the rule, rule in the book, and it was okay because I was just trying to figure that out. And I found myself excited, excited about putting myself together, excited about looking in my closet, excited about shopping and putting colors together. Again, it was a way for me to be really creative, which I needed that creative outlet. But I always still go back to and remember how I felt in that store. And I thought, I don't want anybody ever to have to feel that way or or to continue to feel that way. I want to help people pull them out of that. That's a really like mature and wise place to be able to get to on, you know, on your own. Did you have anybody who like from a mentorship guiding you to like, that's a wonderful thing? Or was this truly like, hey, I, I realized this. This was this was me and God here realizing this. Yeah, well, mostly me and God, but I did have support and I did seek support from some friends um, at that time. And then some of them were business owners. And I, you know, they said, well, you know, you might have, you might have something here. And I realized that people started asking me to, hey, you know, I love, I love how you're putting yourself together. Can you, you come look at my closet? Can you help me go shopping? And I thought, this is what, right? Pay attention to what frustrates you is a really good lesson because that's what you were put on earth to solve. And so what frustrated me was, you know, that the fashion industry, of course, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the, what they thought the perfect woman should be, mm-hmm. right? Their perception. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I did seek some mentors and I did seek some other people in the business world. My, you know, I grew up, my dad worked for the Corps of Engineers, but he also wanted a boat so bad because we lived on the Missouri River that he was willing to start his own business to get that extra money. So I grew up in a family that was a bit of an entrepreneur. My grandmother, who was an artist, yes. was an entrepreneur. She yes. did a lot of other things. Um, she was she was just savvy business. Offshoot, what type of yeah. art, what, what's what are her favorites? You know, did she paint? What kind of an artist was she? So she did paper cuts. Paper cuts. So it's called VG90. And I can't even believe I can still pronounce it right <laughs> correctly. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, she did this these little um, paper cuts and made like, Flowers. Oh my goodness. Beautiful. I'm sure you have some of that still, I hope. I do. So interesting. So she was an artist in in that way. Mm -hmm. You were an artist in your way. Do you have any other artistic players besides, you know, like the image, the clothes, the style? Is that your art or are you creative in other ways? That is my, well, that is my art. I still have a passion for interior design. So I do some of that, especially, you know, I think what's been interesting coming out of the whole pandemic is the Zoom backgrounds, right? How you're showing up on Zoom and what's your background look like? So I've, I've been able to help people stage that background and what and what does that look like? Um, but I love to color. Yeah, I still like give me give me a crayon and a coloring book. <laughs> I know my father and invite you over with my daughter. I'll let you color with her. Uh, I'll tell so creative outlet um, all the time. So that feeds me. That feeds my soul. When you talk about breaking the rules, mm-hmm. are there really rules? Are there true rules in how you want to help people with their image and fashion? Or how do you go about devising a plan for a a customer? There, there are said fashion rules or style rules, but you really have to figure out how you can break them so you don't let them stifle you who mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. because they can do that. Mm-hmm. Because you can get so tied up in what well, the rule says this, I can't do that, but it may be really right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it becomes a sense of learning who you are and that message you really want to send you know, how do you want the world to clearly see you as mm-hmm. like you two mm-hmm. talking about being that clear vision? So how do you really want the world to see you? And so we come up with those um, those words that would describe you, those three to five words, how you want the world to see you. What are three to five words that describe you, Sheila? I'm very empathetic. Um, I'm positive. Uh, there's a level of sophistication, creative. Okay. And hopefully, um, there's some time to let uh, some some charming, <laughs> some charm to there. Well, absolutely. And I would say uh, classy as yeah, well. Thank you. Um, you can tell that you're somebody who loves life and exudes that from the the image and just the vitality that you have um, in person and and online. You you've been quoted saying that you are the chief experience officer of you. What does that mean? So you are the CEO of yourself. But in different words, chief experience officer. What does that mean for you know us, and what does that mean to our listeners as far as uh, our entrepreneurs and business owners? So this is how I start a conversation most of the time when I'm talking about that. Is if I were to ask five of your closest friends what one word comes to mind when they think of you, what would that be? And if I would ask somebody that just met you on the street that very same question, what do you think they would tell me? And what are those words you never want used to describe you? 
And if you're like most people, you probably haven't given it that much thought. Mm-hmm. And so my main question to you and to everybody is, how do you want people to experience you? And that you're that chief experience officer of you. So you need to own that, own that experience that people have with you. Uh, you know, whether it's that first interaction, whether it's that continued interaction, whether they've looked at you online, what are they finding? How are they experiencing you that way? Are they experiencing you in person? If they're referring you to somebody, all those little touch points when people are thinking about you, just owning that experience, right? You want to always be top of mind when people think of you, but you want it to be right in a positive, mm-hmm. in a positive light. And and those words that you want people to think about you are those really coming to mind when they're thinking of you after they've interacted with you. And it's your it's your body language, it's your just your demeanor when you're with people. So your smile, it's yeah. not just yeah, just absolutely. I mean, it's you know, of course, I, I'm an image consultant as well. So it is about, you know, that first look at you. Yeah, I mean, I tell people, you know, with my skin and laser center, and I do a lot of surgeries to, you know, to help people yeah. see themselves better in the mirror too. But it is, regardless, th- there are biases out there, but there is still that something people like, I, people tell me I'm angry and I'm not. People tell me I look tired and I'm not. And so there is, whether we love it or not, there's still that something about that first impression. Yes that this energy or this vibe that we get off and so are you saying that hey we need to be intentional about that vibe we do and we need to be consistent we need to have yes be intentional about it and be consistent and really be true to who you are which is easier said than done do you have clients that find it difficult to actually be who they really are or elaborate on that well comparison's a really hard thing yes and we all do it Yes, amen. We compare ourselves to the perfect person on Instagram because we just need the perfect shot. Or we, we don't think they seem to have the yes. perfect business or they seem Absolutely. to have the perfect staff or yeah, those types of things. All, yeah, comparison is, is really interesting for us. So you have to be really careful with um, comparing yourself to other people because they may be comparing. Something that I don't think people think about is they may, maybe they're comparing themselves to you. And what do you have that other people would love to have, mm-hmm. right? And, and we're all so unique and have our own set of and values and strengths and, you know, all those different things. So there's just such a uniqueness that I love mm-hmm. that I think about in the bigger picture of life that whoever your creator is thought the world needed you. Right. And, and made you with those skills and those dreams and those goals and that drive to be that entrepreneur or own a business or whatever that was. And what you put that in your heart, what you're doing, Sheila, is so much more than just, you know, finding clothes in somebody's closet or a new wardrobe. Yeah. There's so much more to it than just that outward image. It sounds like you really go deep with your clients to help them. Truly, as again, I'm using the moniker, see themselves as clearly as possible in order to say, like, who is this image on the outside? Can people have two brands? Can people have two different type of identities? Like, why ask? This is a great question. Who? I mean, the reason behind the question is who I am here at the office or in the public is often different than who I am on the weekends. Ultimately, I'm the same person, but 
my image is going to be very different in one place than it might be in another. Here I'm all dressed up in brand colors and that kind of thing. And on the weekends, I might not have even washed my face some days. Like, yeah, there's that dichotomy. Can people have that? I, I, it's multifaceted who we are. So we're never just one, one, you know, there's all different parts of us, right? We have our business life. We have our personal life. I wouldn't expect you to be running around in, you in know, heels and an amazing, you know, pink dress. Yeah. yeah. If I saw you just, you know, running around at a game or something, right? So there's appropriateness to every like, yes. event, right, or every occasion. But going back to your main question, I think there's just one brand. Okay. There's just one brand, but there's different facets of that brand. You know, there's, there's, we understand there's a business side of people. We understand there's a personal side of people. And it's, it's all becomes. Yes. Yes. What is one thing that um, an executive or entrepreneur can do to like improve their image? Like, is there one thing that you tend to hone in on that people are constantly making I don't know, mistakes on, or I'll say faux pas? There, uh, consistency is a big thing. Um, what about consistency? What does that so, mean in regard to image? Yeah, showing up um, in a, I kind of call it like a signature look. So if there's, right, if, you, if you're always known to wear fuchsia, that we can always probably... Or magenta, the color of the year, right? It's the color of the year. Good job. <laughs> it is the color of the year. But showing up in a consistent manner with how you put yourself together in types of in a certain style of clothing. It doesn't always have to be that color, but it's a certain, um, you know, it's a certain look. If we think about Mark Zuckerberg, we think about Steve Jobs, even Hillary Clinton, they all have a certain look and we always expect that, right? Which is why Saturday Night Live can have such a good time. Oh, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. So consistency in how you're showing up um, with your clothing, but also in how you're showing up with your personality and your behaviors. Um, and I think people just don't think about um, carrying that over to all facets, right? It, it, it's your it's your look, it's your online presence, it's um, showing up publicly and in person at networking events and, and all of that. And just to be, um, you know, I guess I always go back to those like brand words. Mm -hmm is how you're showing up in all facets tie back to those words because it needs to. So I'm going to use myself for an example mm -hmm. here and see if that helps listeners. So if you walked into my office mm -hmm. and I didn't look like I was today, that would give off a different image. Yeah. So what if you are within a business or leading a business and you are not like living up? To, I feel like I need, when I'm here, I need to live up to the image of what my business is, and and I don't I don't feel like I'm I'm still very much me, but I'm definitely on stage, and I dress for the clientele that I want to have come in my doors and what I feel that their experience needs to be, which is which is perfect. Oh, hi. yeah, it's perfect because you're, dre you're dressing for the occasion. Yes, always appropriate for the occasion, whether the occasion is coming to work 
It's the occasion of going to the basketball game. It's the occasion of, you know, going to the theater, whatever that is, dressing appropriately for what that occasion is, but still being, you know, being you. We all have that, like the dressed up side. We all have the dressed down side. What about the brand within the walls of somebody's business with, let's say, their employees and allowing employees to have a little personal freedom, yet they still need to represent, you know, a brand? Is there anything that you do you ever work with businesses in order from a brand image of employees within their walls? That's a big deal. That's a really big deal because I don't think a lot of businesses see that, how much that the employees are part of that corporate brand and how they can represent that brand in such a positive light. Hey, without putting them all in like uniforms, is that, how do you how do you get that that everybody because they all have their different styles and mm-hmm. I want to respect that, but how do you get them to buy into the brand image of mm-hmm. what they are and or and who they are in this these walls? Well, and how do they how, how does that relate to your core values for your mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. as well? So mm-hmm. whatever the core values are for that business. Are they living up to those when they're interacting with people? It you know dress plays a lot of you know plays a big part of it as well because we as humans are wired to interpret things visually first, mm-hmm. right? So you understand that so that the visual identity of your brand is not only the logo, the colors, the you know the fabrics you have in the office. It's also how your physically showing up in your style as well as your employees. But we do business with people and not the business. Yeah. So those employees are so vital Mm -hmm. to that corporate brand. It can really help catapult that in such a positive, positive light. I hadn't really thought of that question um, until we we were sitting here visiting. I'm like, oh, goodness. Do you have any like example of a like this was a really big mis like I don't know an an image mistake or things that you could provide us? It's like you talked a little about Hillary Clinton, you know, Steve Jobs. Like, are there? Hey, I had this example once, and I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? Well, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but one thing that pops into my head is especially at the um. C-level executive or that business owner really caring about how you're showing up, but but especially how things fit can really, you know, just getting some things tailored or altered can make a $100 pair of pants of like $400 pair of pants. So there's ways that the fit is just so important. I see that a lot of times that that's where people miss the mark a little bit on their style is paying attention to to that fit what if somebody really doesn't care like i might have listeners on and they're like i don't really care that's okay right it's okay because i tell everybody there's consequences to everything you do everything you say and everything you wear and you just have to you know everything you do say and wear is either strengthening that brand of you or it's diminishing that brand of you and and it's your choice I it's love your that. choice. So if that's okay, if that's not important to you, but it might be important to somebody else and you might be judged on it. And if and if you're good with it, if you're okay with, hey, this is who I am and I'm not for everybody, that's okay too. Yes. Oh, I love that. I, I just, I love that. 
So, you know, your business is focusing on helping others feel look their best. What something that you do for yourself to make sure that you are achieving that goal for you? So I am constantly being getting education, just like all professionals are. So I stay really current. But I love just to personally shop for myself. Um, I set aside time for myself to do that. And then I go into my closet. Like your favorite place to shop should be your own closet. That should be your favorite boutique. I don't spend hours. I'll spend hours in my closet going, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Like, this is my happy place. So that excites me. And I love that. Um, I, I don't know. I love shopping. That's my thing. Oh, uh, so you're so It is. You get to be creative. You get to shop for others as well as it's part of what gives you your brand. So it's it's constantly turning over. Speaking of turning over, I mean, things go in and out of style. Um, I would say things that are in, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word fad, but I guess I'm going to, you know, 10 years ago are no longer there. And how do you... How do those relate to each other as far as what's changing in trends versus what's changing overall in business and culture and bringing them uh, bringing them together? Like, if my image is this and trends change, does my image need to alter as well? Well, it needs to stay current. It needs to stay fresh. Stay current. That was a really long question in order to get a really amazing answer. <laughs> you need to stay current because, again, if I'm a customer... And if I'm looking and evaluating a different, you know, businesses that I want to help me with whatever it is, I want somebody that's staying current, yeah. that's staying on trend. Um, you know that they're you, you're based it on so many visuals. You really do. You base it on the office space they have. You base it on them personally, how they're speaking. Maybe maybe you hear them on a podcast mm-hmm. or whatever. But you want somebody that's mm-hmm. growing and thriving and staying current as well. What do you do on a daily, you know, uh, regimen for yourself in order to, I mean, stay stay current, but stay healthy, stay Sheila? Mm-hmm. What do you do daily that makes sure that you are maintaining that sense of balance for yourself? Yeah, journal. Okay. Right. Writing down. Have you always journaled? Not always. No. Okay. So it's kind of a newer thing, probably the last five years. Okay. So I write down, what are the three things I want to get done the next day? What are those three? Not days? today, but Not the today. next day. The next day. So the end of the day, what do I want to get done? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to co- one thing for my health, one thing for my business, and one thing for me personally. And that's just those three things. And then in the morning, I look at that. You know, did I maybe I kept a food journal that day? It was all I could do just for my health. <laughs> you know, or whatever that was. Or I tried a new recipe, or I did those 30 minutes of yoga. Whatever it was, and it doesn't have to take so long. I think no. people think it has to, you know, have to do that all day long. Um, but it's, ter- you know, those three things. How long does it take you to journal? Remember, because I think of journaling like meditation. It's like, sure. oh, if I don't have an hour, I might as well not even do it because I'm not going to, you know, I just think it's going to take a lot longer than it will. Yeah. But I think journaling can be journaling can be very meditative. Yeah, it can be. And if you're somebody that like you that but likes to set aside that hour and just really write and think through things, that's that's wonderful. I'll I'll often find myself sketching. <laughs> so I'll write down my three things and then I'll be sketching something and just You truly you know, truly are that creative artist. Yes. 
my sketches end up being like, oh, I'm going to sketch the letter A or something, you know, something real, real creative. Um, I'd like to get a little bit into your kind of philanthropic um, nature, special events, projects that things are near to dear to your heart from a volunteering standpoint, some of the items that you're doing in the community. And in fact, um, I know that you wrote Community is Family, which I really love. But can you tell us what that means? Yeah. So uh, something interesting, like I grew up and we didn't volunteer. So that was a little foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, you know, my husband's family owned a business in a small town and that's what you did. You gave back to the community. So I learned a lot from him and and, and my in-laws and how you do give back to the community. And it felt good. Mm-hmm. It felt really good. So um, joined a service club. I'm involved with the service club, um, some other nonprofit work that I had found very rewarding, just giving back. Um, but, you know, finding the time for that can sometimes be a challenge. So it's got to be something that you're pretty passionate about mm-hmm. or that you really feel a tug in your heart um, or called to help in that, in that realm. I think another thing with that whole volunteer aspect is no one has time to leave it and move on to a different one because sometimes we can get so complacent mm-hmm. in where we're volunteering or we're giving back that maybe we're not as effective as we used to be when we first started that spot. So, and and we need to keep feeding ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So, so it's okay sometimes it's okay to, say, to say, you know what, I did my three years on that board or whatever, and I'm willing to give that opportunity to somebody else and I can move to another another place. Is there any special, you know, like one of those activities that you've done that has been, um, and like, this has been really meaningful to me? Yeah. So I, again, I mentioned I was in a service club and in 2004 and five, I was their international president. So I traveled to the United States and Canada being only the third woman in its 100 year history to ever have that position. But that was rewarding because it was it's diabetes focused. Okay. So they raise money for diabetes education and research, and and that's the as the Cosmopolitan International, Cosmopolitan International, and it. I didn't know anybody with diabetes when I got into that. That it did become meaningful for me because then I did have my mother-in-law end up with type two diabetes and pass away from complications of that, and then I did have a couple of friends that have that are diabetic. And it became more and more prevalent. And then it became more of, oh my gracious, you're really helping people out that have to. And when you see a little kid have to give themselves a shot, you know, of insulin, it just hugs your Yeah. So no more shots. No, that's what you want. The world of no more shots. Yeah. Well, if you come to my office, we do shots all the time. Good shots. We need for purpose. Oh, goodness, goodness. Well, thank you for sharing uh, a little bit about that. Um, let's jump into um, one of your books. Your first book was called The ICU Rule. Um, so explain a little bit about that because it's got another play on words. You know, we had CEO before. So what's ICU? What's the ICU rule? Yeah, so ICU stands for being intentional, okay. being consistent, and being you. So I wrote the book. I wanted to have a quick read for somebody, about 100 pages just to kind of explain a little bit about what is a personal brand? How do I even start? And so there's a discovery phase and when you kind of figure out what are your strengths, what are your values, that type of stuff. So that's the intentional part, that strategy. And then 
the C for being consistent is now how do I put that together in visual, right? What's my visual language? How does that mm-hmm. look? Um, so showing up consistently and then the U obviously is just being you. And then, you know, not comparing yourself, just being who you are, showing up that way. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a great book. There's um, some exercises at the beginning. It's a quick read. You can have some great takeaways. So love that book. Um, I have the outline written for my second book, but I haven't written it. I have not written a book, um, and I'm sure some people listening maybe have, but what's the hardest thing about starting the book? The blank page. <laughs> so, so I was saying, congratulations, you got the outline done. To me, that's already, you're like almost home. <laughs> so one thing that was really helpful for me is I had two other friends that wanted to write books, so we had accountability meetings. And so we every three to four weeks, we would get on a Zoom call, where are you at, where are you struggling? I was so green with that process of writing a book. I didn't even, they said, you have to get an ISBN number. And I'm like, what's an ISBN number? And they're like, oh my gosh, Sheila. <laughs> I don't know what an ISBN number is. It was a number that you have to have a book and then it's that scan code and all this stuff. But I was going, I don't even know what this is, but it was so helpful to walk through it with somebody else um, and some friends. So that was really, that was really good. But I, I realized I didn't have to write in order of the book. I thought I had to write in order of the book. And so having that outline done, which that sometimes is hard, right? The brainstorming of that outline. But then you just, I just took little sections like, oh, I really feel I have some information in my brain on this part and I can write like a quick paragraph on that. And so that was helpful to write that way. But I would set the timer for 20 minutes on my phone or 30 minutes on my phone to write. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm really, it's, I'm going fast and I'm writing and writing just a brain dump. It didn't have to be complete sentences, nothing, just a brain dump, get everything out of my brain. And um, I looked down because I thought, uh, surely it's now almost 30 minutes and it'd been like 10 minutes. <laughs> but you're like, oh, oh. Like, this is going to be a lot of process. And it becomes easier, right? And it becomes easier. Oh, wait. Do you feel like you know, setting a habit? Is it that word yeah. habit that helps it become absolutely easier? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a great way to put it because you do, it's that daily habit of it. Well, it reminds me of your, your, your the title of your first book of the ICU role okay. being intentional, which, and being consistent. So you have to, in, in my world, I'll bring it to maybe a different industry. You have to want to make a change. Yeah. And then the consistency, like you have to make these things habits in order for you to see that change in order to ultimately get some of that transformation that you that you desire, whether that's medically or that's aesthetically. Um, and then we're putting it then into, you know, more of the, the brand image um, relating it back to or back to you. So what's do you have a title for the second book? Return on Image. And I already trademarked that. ROI. ROI. I love it. We've got ICU. We've got CEO. We've got ROI. So Return on Image. Any sneak peeks into what it is? Or there's, it'll it'll tell you um, a different level or a different aspects of what is in a personal brand and what you have to think about and how do you, I mean, you're your most important asset. Mm-hmm. So how are you, uh, is it costing you money? Are you leaving money on the table with how you're showing up? So there's mm-hmm. some little tip time. What I just love is that I truly didn't know when we got into this, it's going to be so much more 
than just how do you show up on the outside? And I love that. I love that taking it, taking it deeper and diving in. So I'm just, I'm just blown away um, by, I guess, opening that door in my mind on, on truly what, what image means. And I think people feel like, okay, I just, I can work on my image and I have myself all put together and my brand and now I'm done. And they can just sit back and put it on a shelf. But that's, it takes a good two to five years for your personal brand to even get noticed. So you have to continuously cultivate it. So it's not just, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, a couple of weeks on it and then be done. You have to do it daily, right? The daily habit of it, the daily consistency and then being intentional that takes what would you say, Sheila, I mean, what would you tell our listeners that your brand is? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I just, just like, what is it that makes you, Sheila, what is it that you, you know, what is your hope that your brand gives off when people interact with you? I, I really want it to be empathetic, some empathy, so I, I can really put myself in a lot of people's people's shoes and feel what they're feeling. Um, so I love I love that part of my brand. I also love the positive part of my brand. And there again, there's a, a magnetic magnetic part to it or a, a charm to it. So it's, I tell people, I just want to get you in my like love bubble <laughs> around me. So yes, feel, you feel loved, you feel valued, you feel secure. How does that come across on you know, if we were to just know you only, like, via Instagram or Facebook or that, how does your image to me is not knowing any of that deeper part of you, yeah. which I love, like, is vibrant, is alive, is like, do I follow all the rules? What are the rules? I'm going to be completely me. I mean, I look at that. And, and by the way, how many pairs of glasses do you want? I, I can't count them. <laughs> If you can cut them, you don't have enough. It's <laughs> same as shoes. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, the vitality and just being alive, right? There's not a lot of things, but how you, how you rest that part of your image. How do you feel that, like, what is that that you want people to see through that? Yeah, I think, that, well, the creative side, yeah, the, the, that creative but that sense of but there's a calming confidence that I hope comes across, right? That there's, there's she's she's confident. She knows who she is. She's a little daring of what she puts together. I don't know if I could do that, but that confidence is yeah, kind of sexy. Yeah, and especially that calming confidence when people are around you, that there's this sense of peace, sense of calm, sense of love, sense of empathy. Oh, I just, I just love it. What does, I'm going to take you back to kind of, you know, the junior high, high school experience you had. Um, I talk a lot about beauty mm -hmm. in, in my world, and that means so many things. Um, and you were trying to find that girl and, and find that she was beautiful. Mm -hmm. You look back, way back at that, that incident. Mm -hmm. What does beautiful mean to you now? Again, I go back to the confidence thing, right? That that confidence in who you are as a person and just, you know, there's a bit of a, a swagger about it as well. But, but knowing that, and you know, you talked about it. So growing up, I used to cut out photos uh, out of magazines 
of beautiful women. Women I thought were beautiful. Maybe it was their clothes, maybe it was their makeup, maybe it was their hair. And I would take them. I did a whole collage on my wall growing up. And I would look at that every day. And it inspired me. But it also made me form an impression of what I thought beautiful was based on what I saw in the magazine. And so that warped my opinion of beauty. And I think that played a lot into my self-esteem and my self-image. Growing up. Oh. Interesting. So something you found that was crafty and artistic did both things and yeah. you spent a lot of time doing that. So your mind yeah. also yeah. also goes there. Were you um, you know, supported and encouraged no matter, you know, what in your childhood? Did you feel like that that wasn't an issue? Yeah. Is this really something inter that you were dealing with it yourself? Was it wasn't something like, hey, a kid said this to me one day, or we still remember some of those things. We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah, I don't feel like it was. I was very supportive in my family. Um, you know, never talked down to, never made me feel less than. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had a, a group of friends that I kind of always felt like first runner up. In a lot of ways to, you know, the, the group of friends. Like well, you don't have the stress of being the, you know, the, yeah, the winner. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm very supportive. Good. And always told like, you know, be anything, do anything, except when I wanted to be an interior designer. My mom said no. <laughs> Still remember that. <laughs> always supportive. And so I think it was just, you know, yeah. dealing with the, the, the weight. And I wasn't really a reader growing up. And I, I feel like that could have helped. Well, I think there probably they could be, well, you know, there's probably a lot more books available now, but yeah, I think some of those self-development and leadership stuff that we didn't get in a small town in South Dakota in the 70s. I don't think, you know, I don't recall really having a lot of access to that mm-hmm. until recently. I'm mean, also searching it and looking, sure, searching it out, looking for it, but Growing up, number one, would I have thought it was important? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I was told once that if you don't know how to be a leader, then that's part of your... And I'm like, well, if I'm not naturally a leader, how can I become a leader? I do believe you can be. So you don't just wake up one day and you're a leader. Um, but so it's like, what are the skills, the tools, those kind of things that we can help um, and have to to grow ourselves and then ultimately use those same things to try to help that next person who thinks that they're not a leader mm-hmm. or what what not right. help to give yeah. it to the next you know decade and to recognize that we all need a coach mm-hmm. and their and our coaches need a coach mm-hmm. and our coaches coaches need a coach so everybody mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. If your coach doesn't have a coach that's a mistake well again i could continue to go on for a long time this has been a very wonderful and highly meaningful conversation to me uh, especially as i live um, within my world too the fact that what is on the outside isn't always what's on the inside yet what is inside definitely can blossom and be shown fully by having that that image that smile that that energy that can drive our our brands and our image and that you are the epitome of beautiful outside and inside. And I thank you for spending some time with us today and telling us a little bit about your art of seeing clearly. Thank you so much, Allison. I really appreciate it.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.